he charged me with resisting arrest. Get that confidence in jail. I object. Good morning, fellow patriots, and welcome back to another episode of Allegedly Bravo. I'm Cash. And I'm Lauren. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Let's pretend like we weren't just Skyping for 20 minutes before we pushed record. <laughs> I know we probably should have been recording this entire time. We're just doing some, <laughs> some life updates. Yeah, exactly. And um, I will I will tell you, I am sitting in my bed right now. My window's open, so you may hear cars driving by. I'm not in my normal situation. I'm just being so lazy. Listen, it's it's Sunday. We're doing this very last minute and you so what? You're in bed. Relax. You deserve I, you, it. And you guys, I just have to point something out. Well, we're going to give some life updates. Lauren, do you want to let everyone know about your current health yes. status? So my current health status is hashtag in recovery from COVID. Um, I believe it was me who has been bragging for at least two years, maybe more, that I haven't gotten COVID, that I'm vaxxed and boosted and haven't gotten it. And after two years of anxiety about COVID, I fucking got it. You sure did. And you I sounded sure like did. death. I did sound like death. And I got to say, I did have chest pain. I did throw up a couple times. Um but I've got my finger right here on this mute button. So no one will hear me cough and God bless our poor, 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 poor Patreon subscribers. Why? Because I did when you had the flood, I did the episode solo, but I was like in the peak of my COVIDness. So literally it sounds like I'm doing it from a hospital bed. I'm like, (laughs) and like every, I'm like pausing every minute to like, uh, so anyway, well, go listen on our Patreon. <laughs> speaking of, you just said something that is, I think, probably triggering not only to me, but the listeners, the mm-hmm. flood. Mm-hmm. You guys, life update. I We were at a rental property. But my fiance, now fiance's mm-hmm. rental property. I was up there just looking at wedding venues and got a phone call from one of the tenants letting us know that a pipe burst in the backyard. And <laughs> I I can't I can't tell you the PTSD that I have from the first flood incurred as a result of the first flood. Is I'm your unwell. floor even dry from the yeah. first flood? Well, <laughs> you guys, and I actually have a theory. Okay. I think because I have had this like dry cough that has just mm. been present for quite some time and like a lot of post-nasal drip that's been happening. I think there's mold in this apartment. Oh from Jesus. I know. Dark. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. I know. I know. But just dark. Anyway, happy Sunday, everybody. We're dying of COVID and floods <laughs> over here. It's just and like, I think bolts. they call this what? The Old Testament. <laughs> That's the times we're living in. Uh, um, okay. Do you, before we get started, just so everyone knows, we're not doing a housewife specific episode. Correct. We're doing we're doing our fun debriefing. Just give everyone kind of a rundown of what's been going on in the legal world. Yeah. Some stuff really, I ventured, I ventured beyond our reality stars. I'm doing something a little bit different mm. with my top three. Interesting. I'm excited. And I think we have Super Bowl specifics since today is the Super Bowl. We have, I think, two stories, right? About, oh, I don't have any. I think you have one. Oh, about the performer Snoopy. 
Oh, I changed my mind. No, I didn't do Snoop Dogg. Yeah. So I have no, I have, I have no Super Bowl things. I actually forgot it was the Super Bowl. So thank you for reminding me. Um, Well, speaking of that, I have a question for you and our listeners. Yes. Has anybody seen that our housewives have been housewives and our housewife specific Instagram pages are now being, I guess, acquired by Peacock TV to post these ads on their Instagram pages about what they're eating for the Super Bowl. What? Um, Kyle Richards did it. And it was so weird. She was like in a hotel room and she was talking about the upcoming game. It looked like a hotel room. There's no way that was her house. Maybe she was at Heather Dubrow's house. And she was just like, I'm getting ready for the game. Here are my snacks. And she threw. And the reason why I said it looked like a hotel was one, the bed and also the snack choice. Okay. They were like the little snacks that you have in the mm. mini bar. Yeah. And I just find it very odd. Like, why are we trying to breach the housewife demographic? Like, you know, we're all probably watching it because of our boyfriend's husbands. And just because it's really the only thing that's on TV. And we're aware that the game is on because our housewives are being disrupted as part of this. Like right, we right, are right, not right. getting Salt Lake City. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you know what? I forget who said it. Someone on Twitter, it literally killed me. It was like, I am so over this heterosexual agenda. Fuck you, it's Super right. Bowl. <laughs> Give me my housewives. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if we're going to have a house time sh- or a house time show, a halftime show, make it the housewives. Like, why, why isn't Erica Jane up there in a little unitard? I don't even need a performance cut away to the real house of Salt Lake city. You know what? Cut away. You know what I want to see? You want to, you want a real halftime show? Bring me Allison Dubois. (gasps) You've been obsessed with her lately. I am obsessed. I've always been obsessed with her, you know, because growing up on Fridays, this, like my family and I used to always go get golden spoon Froyo because I used to work (gasps) there. And then we'd come home. They're gummy bears. Oh, and we'd watch the show called, I think it was called medium and it was about Alison Dubois. And so I just like, I've grown up with her and, you know, I've taken to the electric cigarette, even though mine is (laughs) not, mine's not tobacco, but anyway, so fuck the Super Bowl, fuck the heterosexual agenda. We want our wives back. We want... (laughs) As we're heterosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to. Don't on. worry. We'll probably get a negative podcast review for that. <laughs> no, no more. Oh, hey, everybody. Um, go to our reviews. Give us five stars and just shout out like how much fun you're having listening to us. If you have yeah, anything negative to say, keep it to yourself. <laughs> well, I don't think people realize how much the reviews help us in promoting and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting on other podcasts and just growing. It is, it's a huge deal and we appreciate it. And it's so fun reading your guys's comments. Yeah. All of the good ones. Um, we have had a few bad ones and you know, I'm butthurt about them. Yeah. Those are just a real blow Mm -hmm. to the belly, Mm -hmm. but you know, we have, we move past them. You gotta, you gotta, Lauren has a harder time than I do. I I just don't care. I like, I'll like sit up at night and I'll be like, how do you say drowning? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Okay. You guys moving on. We're going to start with our debriefing today. Shall I start? Shall I I go first? Yes. Go first. What do you got? Okay. Okay. 
you guys know that I always bring the depressing oh, stories. Yes. None <laughs> so of mine are only one of mine's depressing. So two of two of the three. So I'm going to start off strong and I'm going to start with something maybe more uplifting. Okay. And then we'll finish on a downer. Great. Two down. Yeah. Two okay. downers. I think that's, that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So mine is Super Bowl specific. You guys, the NFL lawsuit. I don't know if anybody is aware of this oh. or do people care, but I am somewhat fascinated by it because of the, the allegations that are being um, brought against the NFL. I haven't heard anything about this. Okay. So there is a coach, Brian Flores, who is African-American. So he has sued the NFL and three teams, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging discrimination regarding the interview process with the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants and his firing last month from Miami. Was he a player? No, he was a coach. Oh, sorry. You said that. So there's a 58 page lawsuit that was filed in the Manhattan federal court. You know, we always love the Manhattan federal court. Oh, uh, We love a federal court in New York on Tuesday and seeks a class action status. So the NFL, oh. ha- so this is, this is a part that's really interesting. So the NFL had only one black head coach entering this hiring cycle. Six of the first nine vacancies this year went to white men. Huh. Two of the final three openings went to diverse candidates one for the Texans, the Dolphins, and then another, I think, oh, no, 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 sorry, the Texans and the Dolphins. Um, But the interesting tidbit about that is those hires came after Flores had filed his lawsuit. Oh, mm -hmm. perhaps. So maybe potentially, yeah, potentially motivated by the lawsuit. And so Mm -hmm. There's a really significant history. So there was an NFL coach that was originally hired African-American in 1920. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like 60 years later that the next African-American coach was hired. Wait, I don't really understand how that can be possible. Cause like, okay, you know that I'm not a sports girl, but uh-huh. I do know that like, I would say every time I watch sports, like more than half of the field is made up of African-American yeah. men. So why would there be less African-American male or any gender coaches? Like, I don't get that. It doesn't look like the team. Like, so who are these guys? Exactly. And I think that's, so a lot of this, a lot of the talk around and chatter around this lawsuit is like, it's basically been a long time coming, Mm -hmm. but nobody really has had the balls to do it. Mm. And I guess I, so I was reading a bunch of articles like ESPN, Vox, um, NFL, and a lot of, I guess the, you know, minority coaches or interim coaches, and even players, they were reached out for comment. And a lot of them don't mm-hmm. want to participate in it be out of fear of retaliation. Huh? You know, so, that's fucking horrible. But so it sounds like, um, so this, this is, a is your, from- this is your good story. Yeah. I'm well, scared. I just, th- I thought it was positive because like we're seeking change, you know, like, okay, okay, okay. okay. I, that's, I was looking I the, the silver, the silver yeah, lining. See, like we're finally, you know, having, I guess this conversation. this conversation. And so Flora said that we need change. The hiring practices in the national football league, the numbers speak for themselves. I've been in this league 18 years and the national football league is an example to the world. It really is. People follow the lead of the NFL. They just do. That's how powerful this league is. There's an opportunity here. There really is. Um, And so something else I found really interesting is the fact. So he worked for the dolphins 
And I know, okay. I don't know how boring this is for other people, but just like the circumstances of it fascinated me. Uh-huh. So he worked for the dolphins and the dolphins, I guess, had had a significant losing career, like tenure, right? Yeah. They hired Brian Flores and he starts being really successful and winning. Uh-huh. Allegedly in this out, in this lawsuit, Brian Flores alleges, I think that the team team owner or the, sorry, the general manager, or the owner of the team uh-huh. came to him and said, Hey, sorry, you're too successful and you're winning too much that it's impacting our draft pick. Wow. And so they, I insinuating basically that he was fired because it was going against like their losing streak. And so, so what then did they think that this Brian Flores guy was going to be a shitty coach and was going to tank their organization in reality, he lifted it back up and was being successful. And And so he was fired to see it. Yeah. So really interesting. That's all I have, but I thought just to put it on people's radar, like, I think it's a really cool lawsuit that's out there right now and involving a major, major, major organization. And so, yeah, this is like a really, this could really shape like some crazy, like, um, employment law and And discrimination practices. and And of course the, you know, the people that are, I guess, critical of this lawsuit have said, you know, people have been given these opportunities, people of my minority races have been given these opportunities and they have not been successful, I guess, in their coaching abilities. And so it has led to people being fired or they're not qualified enough, you know, huh. and there have that been to people, me... sorry. Go oh ahead. no. I was just going to say there have been people, I think John Elway came out because he was a quarterback, I think for the Broncos said that the allegations set forth in the lawsuit are completely unfounded and just. We'll be back after a quick break. Finding Ruby is the incredible true story of a 16-year-old tricked by a seemingly innocent Facebook message. A message that would lead her from the protection of the mountains to the nightmare of an online trafficking den. Her first message to me was like, Hi, are you looking for a job? Ruby is hidden from the world, from everyone except her abusers. But she isn't alone. There is a team of people looking for her, and they will stop at nothing to find her. This isn't just the fight of her life, it's their fight too. Search for Finding Ruby today. Yeah, I Bullshit. mean, the thing that I hate about, like, the sentence that you said regarding the other side of this NFL side is like, okay, so so you hired what, what they, what'd you say, like, three minority people? coaches and they just so happen to be not so good at their job. So now no other minority can do the job. Like, I don't know. It just feels weird, I, I, but I don't like sports. So <laughs> this I just, it will be interesting to see though, the answer that's filed in response to the complaint, kind of yeah. see the discovery process <laughs> to see like, are these allegations founded? Like, is this true or how yeah. like, what is the NFL's response? I guess, you know, I did see, speaking of the NFL, I did see on, um, I think it was Instagram. There's like a girl who's the coach, a coach now or an assistant coach or something. She's in the, at the giant, wait, is she baseball? No, I, I can't remember. She's here in San Francisco though. Oh, I can't remember if she plays or if she's a coach for the giants or if she's a coach for the 49ers. Oh, are those One's football, football, one's baseball. 
Oh, okay. Well, whatever it is that she's the coach of, like, go for her, go her. But I saw a bunch of people like talking mad shit that she was inappropriately dressed because she was wearing uh, pink pants. And they said she looked unprofessional. And I was like, you should see my closet. Uh, <laughs> and you should see some of the shit unprofessional. You should see some of the shit those players wear. Okay. Exactly. And it's like, she was fine. So fuck off. Um, okay. Well, power. Should I go? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So mine is my unorthodox life star, Julia okay. Hart. I know nothing about this. You never watched my unorthodox life. I don't think so. Okay. So, um, let me read the headline. My unorthodox life, Julia Hart files a restraining order against her husband. Okay. So one of our followers requested this, Amy requested Ooh. this. Yeah. Um, okay. So the show, my unorthodox life follows this woman who grew up in a very, um, cons- not I it's conservative uh, and oh, wait, is this the Netflix show? Yeah. Where- yeah. She was like extremely conservatively Jewish. And then she like it, uh, sort of sh- shed that religious part of her, got remarried and her kids are sort of like changing from covering themselves to not. And there's like okay. a older daughter who like wants to wear pants or skirts or something. It's like a whole thing. And it's like showing hopefully, that they're coming out of this. Hopefully she's not going to wear pink pants. Hopefully she doesn't wear pink pants. Well, this woman, her name's Julia. She was married. Okay. She was married to this guy named Silvo and he found for only two years. So he founded this company called fast web, which I guess is some like, I don't know, internet thing that, and you know, internet things just make a bunch of money and then freedom holding and freedom holding is a holding company that has control over this group called elite world group. It's like a brand management kind of group or like a personality talent management group. So this group, Elite World Group, has manages Nespresso Coffee. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. Tiffany & Co., Tory Burch, Condé Nast, Prada, Fendi, Gucci, 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 pretty, pretty Prada. (laughs) Basic bitches wear that shit, so I don't even bother. Um, Okay, so (laughs) who needs a who needs a halftime show? You got exactly, you got us. Um, So she, so that that company exists, right? They start this elite management company together. She's the co-owner, CEO, and then she also was the creative director of La Perla. You've heard this. It's extremely expensive lingerie, like I agent mean, provocateur, like, but yeah, I know. I'm like not I even mean, wearing a bra. My underwear is like 10 years old, but yeah. I'm, in my, I'm wearing my five for 35 underwear from Victoria's Secret. Geez, they raised the fucking prices. Inflation. Um, okay. So she was the Perla, the Perla director. She also designed Kendall Jenner's Met Gala dress when, I don't know if you remember, it was basically her naked body and like black sparkly chain mail okay, was her dress. It was beautiful. The Kendall Jenner can never wear anything and it be inappropriate or. I mean, she, her body is just a hanger. Sickening. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is what she's known for, right? There's this whole big money, big brand. She's in it. Her and her husband are in the mix. Well, 
on February 9th, she filed to end their marriage. She's like, fuck it. I'm done. And everyone's like, what? Because like, if you watch the show, like. To me, it didn't seem like they were heading down that route, like to me. So on February 9th, she files to end the marriage and she also petitioned for and was granted a restraining order against this guy, Silvo, who's her husband. So she claims, Julia claims that her future ex-husband berated her, called her venomous snake, monster, and liar in the presence of her children and third parties, and like threatened to kill her if she went to the press about like the abuse she suffered from him. Um, She like details all this alleged abuse, name calling. Um, I don't remember if there was any hitting. I don't have it written down, but it seems very verbal and financially abusive. Um, Her oldest daughter said that her oldest daughter walked into the house and found her mom lying on the bathroom floor, curled up, naked, sobbing. And the daughter was like, I want to call the police. But the mom was like, don't call the police. So apparently after she had filed for divorce, this guy, Silvo, removed her from the business, the elite management business, and cut off all her credit cards and all her financial ties. Well, Uh oh, yeah. So when Julia like, I'm sorry, really quickly is, was this a one hit wonder? Was this a one season? No, they're filming it now. They're filming season two. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. They're filming. Yeah, exactly. Like this is like going to be good. So do we think it's motivated by a plot line or do we think it's genuine? That's a good question. I have to lean on the side of genuine just because there's two restraining orders filed. Um, Yeah, but I never actually thought about that. But anyway, so um, apparently before Julia found out that she was going to be fired and she kind of just figured she allegedly made like big withdrawals from the business account. Um, And so he's suing her for breach of contract because apparently they had a contract together that neither one of them would withdraw over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars her withdraw just just sitting just sitting there in the bank it's like what what so the husband says that this is just another day in the life of an aspiring reality tv star he claims that there's no temporary restraining order he claims he's never been served with one he has no no recollection or information on one and i mean well that's easy to prove right it's like go look at the docket yeah go look at the court target so so do we have information if this has been proved if this is valid if the TRO there is are valid? two there are two restraining orders okay so so, he, so he's so husband's living in a little bit of delusion I think they're both living in a little bit of delusion but yes for sure he is and for sure she is so why if you were so successful and you mm-hmm. make so much money and you're connected to these major brands would you go about publicizing your divorce in such a messy manner. I don't know. And the other thing is like, you know how you kind of ask, like, is this like for ratings or is this to like boost the show up? Like now that, now that you say that, and I'm actually thinking of it. And like, he said the thing about the aspiring TV star, I'm like, well, why did you respond to all the media outlets then? If you're accusing her of being like, uh, 
star chaser, like you talk to page six too. So are you? And also yeah. if I were like Tori Birch or like Chanel or Nespresso, I'd be like, bye. Bye. Exactly. Well, in this day and age, like with cancel culture and you do mm-hmm. anything that is kind of taboo or, mm-hmm. well, I shouldn't say taboo, but anything that is distasteful, uh-huh. you are quick to be just cut off. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is not great. Not yeah. great. Okay. Not fun. Great. So yeah, stick, stick your uh, little ear to the ground for this one. Cause I think it's going to get interesting. Oh we my got God. some big money involved. Apparently he's a billionaire. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm Shannon Jimenez Sassone, a former NYPD misconduct investigator, a podcaster, and a videographer. I'm Nat W. I've been a social worker for a hot minute. Working alongside the police left us with more doubt than encouragement. Uh, we've tried in our career fields to be doers, and it still feels impossible. Is it even possible to work alongside the police and not be part of the police state? Fixing it does start with having the conversations. It's everything that you should know about the police. It's going to be a hard conversation, but it's a hard topic. Not an Arc podcast premieres Tuesday, January 17th on all streaming platforms. Well, that's always fun. Yeah. I love Billy. Well, maybe we'll do a full episode on that. Yeah, I think we that's- should because it's really, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. I have no idea. That sounds multi-layered. Oh, so multi-layered. Okay, moving on. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. We're talking about Jerry from Cheer, everyone. Oh. I know, I know, I know. I know. And I, you know, I I know I picked the word. It's <laughs> not a Sunday most... till we talk about some CP, huh? <laughs> I always pick like the most depressing. <laughs> but it's so important for people to be amazing. It is. People to be up to date on what's going on and just you know we got to represent our victims we gotta well especially when it's like everybody loved jerry like jerry was like the number one guy in the group okay before we get into an update on his criminal case did you watch cheer season two so i started to watch it and then i was just like i'm not in this headspace it's like watching tiger king too i just wasn't into it so i loved it i loved it and i loved i loved the um trinity valley high or not high school trinity i think valley which was the other school that competed against them so you know there's only two schools that i know compete. it's like I know. okay why it's like watching you race against like your brother you know what i mean it's like ooh, good job i don't know it's weird <laughs> it is kind of weird but it's it's in no way can you can you use that to discount how athletic and how good they are? That is so true. So it's just a it's odd just fact that it ends it's in all, you're I doing mean, all that for naught. I mean, it's almost at this point, it's like, why not just compete against yourselves? Like, why not just go be, uh, you know, here I am talking shit. There's my Peloton behind me. I've been on <laughs> once this year. Um, but, you know, it's just like, go be a Dallas cowgirl cheerleader, you know? Oh, no, 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 no. Those are two very different things. I love oh, okay. competitive cheer. They are so athletic. I mean, these people are throwing people in the air and oh catching gosh. them on one foot. Like it, that and ice skating to me are crazy. Like when I see ice skaters. Gymnastics. Yeah. But at least gymnastics, when you land, you land on a flat foot. Ice skaters land on a blade. 
<laughs> Imagine doing a flip and landing on a butter knife on ice. <laughs> it's insane. Well, and then also if you're a partner on and you have to catch game, them, you have to catch two butter knives. Oh my God. Flying butter knives that are just while you're this. on your butter knives. Well, let's not even say butter knives, scalpels, mm. razor blades, <laughs> truly razor blades, truly. And people are looking at, okay. Anyway, anyway, go anyways, ahead. Anyways, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, so you guys update with Jerry, our favorite Matt talker. He entered a plea agreement with prosecutors, pled guilty to two counts. He was facing, I think, seven counts, but only mm-hmm. pled to two of them. It involved charges that he persuaded a 17-year-old to send him sexually explicit photos for money, traveled to Florida for the purpose of engaging in illicit sexual conduct with a 15-year-old. The plea agreement stipulates that after sentencing of the two counts, prosecutors would ask for the remaining charges to be dropped. Mm-hmm. Something I found interesting was the prosecutor's statement um, regarding one of the charges. Okay. So she said that one of the counts, so he pled guilty for receiving and attempting to receive child pornography in the summer of 2020. He repeatedly requested that a 17 year old send him sexually explicit videos and photographs in exchange for money. Yeah. $2,000. No, 3000. Oh shit. And then the other count with the one where he travels, traveled to Florida. So he mm. was going to travel or travel so what ha- to Florida. Yeah. Uh-huh. With the intent of engaging in illegal sexual conduct with a 15-year-old. So he directed the teenagers to meet him in public bathroom in Orlando, Florida, where he sexually assaulted them. In a fucking bathroom. Yeah. So um, Jerry is going to be sentenced on June 28th. And the sentencing guidelines recommend 50 years in prison. Mm -hmm. For each count, right? uh, I don't know. But it, and then Judge Shaw, which is ironic, mm. said that he may decide differently with regarding to the sentencing guidelines. Um, and I will say there was a statement from Jerry's attorney. Yeah, I have it up. I thought it was bullshit. Are you looking at the New York, looking at the New York Times article? That's why I didn't include it. Um, there were, was reference to prior sexual abuse that he was a victim to. And, you know, the attorney came out and said, look, we're not really trying not to make excuses, but he is in therapy and he's going to spend the rest of his life making amends for what he has done. And I am a firm believer that pedophilia you is unrehabable. It's you cannot be rehabilitated. That's what I think, too. And so although 50 years in prison sounds like a lot, I really hope that the judge does not defer from the sentencing guidelines and sticks with 50 years because jerry's only i would assume in his 20s he'll only be like 75 and that's young on it yeah you can work on it and go to therapy but those urges will always be there and i I don't know can i I read his attorney statement because i thought it was bs i know i'm sorry but the uh, his attorney said that Jerry is a 22 year old. So that's his age young yeah. man whose story can only be understood through the lens of extreme poverty, sexual abuse and neglect in his childhood. That pisses me the fuck off because I, we all know people who have grown up under extreme poverty, who have been yeah. sexually abused, who have yep. been neglected. And I don't see any of those people acting this way. Yeah. You know, um, 
So then it says the criminal conduct also took place in the context of a competitive cheer community where inappropriately sexualizing and sexually abusing children was far too common and often overlooked. Were those victims part of the cheer community? Yes. So the two boys that were interviewed in cheer, Uh I think they were the two that really initiated this whole investigation. Uh Uh-huh they were competitive cheer cheerleaders. Okay. So I feel like we need to bring in some oversight thing. Like remember that freaky Dr. Nassif from the, yeah, I was going to say, it's the same thing with Dr. Nassif. Yeah. And, and this actually it's, it, it was interesting because if you watched athlete a on Netflix, they uh-huh. talk about kind of the Larry Nassar situation. And one of the attorneys that represented some of the victims in the Larry Nassar lawsuit, she was on the cheer documentary representing those two boys oh good because she was a she was a victim of larry nasser's sexual assault i think when she was at the university of michigan or michigan state and she even said she's like when i was in law school i would still go to him for therapy and i didn't realize what he was doing was oh my god yeah so anyways you know here's the deal here's the moral of this story Keep your fucking hands to yourself. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. If you want to touch a wiener, touch your own fucking wiener. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else to say or go get a dildo from the shop. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, there are so many other options. Yeah. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah. It's like. It's just just so distasteful. We got to protect her. We got to protect the kids. We got to protect the children. We have to protect Protect them at all costs. Like. And I'm sorry, but it's not an excuse. Like if you were sexually assaulted as a kid and there are many, many, many people who have been, it doesn't give you permission to go on and do it again. It doesn't give you an out. It I'm sick and fucking tired of people like making it like not an excuse, but almost a justification. Like, well, they were abused as a child and it's like, fuck off. I'm reading a book right now called the courage to, uh, to be disliked. Oh, I think. And it's the psychology book. Um, And they talk about, it's kind of like this idea of nature versus nurture, but how people oftentimes uh, depend on the cause of a situation, meaning like being sexually abused as a child Uh as, as a validation of their future behavior. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how they respond and how they always rely on that situation as an Mm -hmm. excuse for their conduct yeah I don't think that's right yeah anyways so now that I'm all heated should I move on yeah 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 okay 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 um Cardi B awarded (gasps) 1.25 million dollars in lawsuit against Tasha K a YouTuber who allegedly made Cardi B extremely suicidal Okay, I am so, so glad you brought this up. Okay, yay. This is a really, really fascinating story because this girl went in on Cardi B, right? So I didn't watch the video, but from what I heard or like read about it, Tasha, like- Well, you didn't watch the original video. Okay, I can't- Right, right, I didn't watch the one where she was like spouting her mouth, but apparently she was like, Oh, Cardi B is a prostitute, like yeah. an, it accused her of prostitution, said she had herpes, like all kinds of shit was like alleging drug use and all this stuff. And it like 
of course made Cardi B, who's a new mom. You know, I think she just got married recently, but you know, all that to like put that on her as like crimes of moral turpitudes and, yeah. you know, loathsome diseases. Ooh. Can you tell I'm studying for the bar? Um, like it, it, it affected Cardi allegedly so bad that she had to go to the doctors and everything because she was so fucking depressed and she couldn't even have sex with her husband. Oh, I know. So she was awarded a million dollars in general damages and 250 K in medical. Wow. So, and I know there was kind of people were like, what, why is Cardi B going after this YouTube star? Like what is going on? She has a million followers. Like, it's not like this YouTube star is just like you and me, two girlies with mics, you know? Yeah. And, and also it's not as though this YouTube star just said an off the cuff statement. It was continued. Mm Mm-hmm harassment negative yeah defamatory statements that were like a regular part i think of her her narrative about cardi b like it was the thing that i find the most why like why what's the point i don't understand why people do things like that what did she gain she just lost so much money she lost Clickbait? clickbait i guess you're right But I I guess I don't understand that. Like, why, why make up a story about somebody? People want content, I guess, but it's like, don't, it's not going to help anyone when your content is like you purposefully tearing people down. Like, listen, we're just reading the news here on this episode. These people are straight up doing it first, you know? So here's the deal that I thought was very interesting for defamation. It's you know, so hard for a public figure to win a defamation case. And I think we talked about that when we did the Brandy Glanville. Yeah. Joanna Cupra. We said that it is like 99% of the time celebrities do not win defamation cases. Right. Like, because it's like your so public hard. figure figure. You've thrusted your life into the public. Like you're putting yourself out there for commentary. You're thrusting yourself into into society. So that's why courts are ret, ret, uh, reticent to like give public figures like some damages and stuff. So the fact mm. that two public figures went to court and the bigger one, the bigger public figure won, won the defamation case, like as the um, plaintiff, I think is crazy. Yeah. But I think this is a situation where the defendant didn't just make one statement. Oh yeah. It was repetitive. It w- remained on the platform. I don't think she ever took it down. Like yeah. this was, it was an ongoing defamatory dialogue that was happening. Whereas like when we were looking at Joanna Cupra, Brandy Glanville, I'm trying to think of other things or there, there's a libel case with Amber Heard and Johnny mm-hmm. Depp mm-hmm. where it's one sentence, like right. wife beater. Or right. stinky vagina. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not this like tirade. Personal attack and tirade on a human. So yeah. I bet she's uh lived and learned and won't be doing that again. I wonder if she'll pay it. She has to. Well, if she has the money. I mean, where are you gonna get she, 1.25? They'll they'll garnish her wages. 
She's a YouTuber. She has a million. You said she has a million subscribers. Yeah, but how do you garnish like ad she, revenue? I mean, if you have a million subscribers, you're making a lot of money on YouTube. Huh? We should put this episode on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have your next one? Okay. I do have my next one. It's a little depressing, but I actually find it to be fascinating. So, okay. So Kodak, story of your life. <laughs> yeah. Kodak Black's crew allegedly involved in a shooting outside of LA club this weekend in an, ahead of the Super Bowl 56. Holy shit. Like so, last night. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so breaking I news. On. wait, breaking news. Hold on. Let me actually find this tweet really quickly. Wow. Um, do you know? I mean, I'm assuming this happened in LA. It did. Okay. And so really quickly, there was a tweet that Ice T had put out. Oh my god. The rapper that said Coco's Super Bowl, husband. Yeah, said Super Bowl weekend. Not a threat, just a warning. Young rappers coming to LA for the Super Bowl weekend. LA has over 50,000 active gang members. Make sure you play it safe. It's wild, wild west out here. And the fact that like those statements even need to be made is. Is crazy. Is nuts. And I found that interesting because he tweeted that. Let me find the exact timestamp. He tweeted that February 12th. At 9.28 a.m. And then literally. What's today? The 13th? Literally that night. This shooting happened. You know, it's weird because it's like, what comes first? The chicken or the egg? Like, like. Are people alleging that Ice-T had a. No, 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 no. Okay. Because I was going to say, it feels like just a warning. No, no, no. I made that connection just because I thought it was interesting. Because I want my former somebody I went to law school with posted that on her Instagram page yeah ice tea quote and then I saw this news article break and so what was going on is they were so Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber were okay. at the night this is the night it's called the nice guy club okay. I guess it was like riddled riddled with celebrities that night mm-hmm. and Justin Bieber was performing songs Justin Bieber Justin Bieber was performing peaches <laughs> um, and the guest list was packed with Leonardo DiCaprio, Toby McGuire, Chloe Kardashian, Kendall Jenner. Oh, wow. And then it says in the wee hours of Saturday morning, the No Flockin, which I guess is Kodak Black's hit song. No to Flockin? What is it? No, no Flockin? Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Rapper was outside on the street with fellow performers Gunna and Little Baby. They were smiling <laughs> and talking. And is fight- Little Baby and Da Baby different? I don't know. <laughs> All I know is one of them is um, homophobic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were smiling and talking, and then a fight broke out. Kodak took a swing at someone, and then you heard gunshots. Mm. Ten shots were fired. Oh, three my people, God. Three people were hit. And I invite you to go to the page six article because they actually have photos of the gunshot victims. Are there they was dead? A... No, 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 no. Thankfully, oh. nobody died. Phew. everyone they were like kind of if this could even make sense like superficial gunshot wounds like okay superficial gunshot wounds. <laughs> okay i sound like a defense attorney <laughs> listen these are superficial gunshot wounds not life-threatening like one guy is shot in the trapezoid up here on his upper left shoulder grazed he's been grazed he's been grazed i mean the bullet definitely went through <laughs> But barely. Okay. The bullet went through, but, um, you know, 
it looks like he's gonna survive and then my favorite is one man was shot in the butt oh my grandpa was shot in the butt he was laying holding his buttocks oh my god (laughs) i mean of course we won't it's not funny to laugh at people who are getting shot but it is funny that it happened in the butt because it reminds me of that show we're watching on hbo the gemstones when you guys the righteous you gotta watch it so good so good Um, Okay, so then it was. It said that the fight was believed to have started when someone in Kodak Black's entourage, um, after others jumped in, shots were fired, and then all hell broke loose. And a fascinating, fascinating tidbit. I don't know if you know this, but Kodak Black has a history of being involved with guns. Okay. So he was arrested. He's been arrested multiple times over the years on drug and weapons charges. And in March, 2020, he pleaded guilty to charges of firearms possession and served time in federal, the federal penitentiary. And last June, President Trump commuted his conviction. Oh, that's the guy. That's Kodak Black. He's got the crazy hair. hair. Yeah. Oh, my God gosh and oh earlier this gosh. year he, yeah and earlier earlier this year he pled guilty to charges of first degree assault and battery and was sentenced to 18 months of probation this is the one who it was all those memes where it was like him ratting people out or whatever i think so yeah like a little oh bit of an art okay so i'm like not super into like the music scene so that's why i don't know any of these people except for Dr. bieber but um holy shit so wild, wild, wild sounds like, um, I mean, obviously we don't know who was the one who shot the gun. We will find out soon. Do we know what the fight was even about? No, probably something stupid, you know, some ego thing, probably. Well, poor but, taste joke, but he brought his fist to a gunfight. Yeah. I mean, he may have actually brought the guns and the fists, but we don't know. Oh, cause we just don't know. Yeah. TBD on that. But I mean, may we hope and pray that no more violence happens, I guess, on no. Super Bowl weekend. Very unlikely because it is Los Angeles. Um, and I, I would cannot just, believe that. And I would just invite you to look back at that 18 months probation sentence for battery and assault. Like, what are we doing here, people? Why are we hitting people? Okay, so we can just <laughs> go ahead and talk about it then. Like, if you're on probation, there are things you have to not do. And one of the things you have to not do is continue breaking the law. I um, mean, you would be surprised at how many people are on probation. They can't not commit the, uh, commit it's offenses. like, it's like you, some people just can't help themselves. Like look at Jen Shaw. I think her, part of her like bail release was no excessive drinking. L of L. Okay. We need to find that document. Cause I need to know if that's true because wow, wow, we, wow. When she, they showed up to Zion and how drunk she was after that whole fight with Lisa Barlow on the bus. Oh, I know. You know her. Okay, we'll get into okay. that in a whole other wait, episode. But- wait, really quickly, can I just have, I just have a comment to make and I'll probably bring it up again when we recap the Salt Lake City ladies on Patreon. Uh-huh. Remember when we're like, thank God we're almost to the finale. Yeah. Here we are another week getting another delay because of the fucking Super Because Bowl. of the heterosexual agenda. Like I'm ready for Salt Lake City to be over. You know, I started it over again. I just started it over again because I was like, I need to remember where we came from because I was I've been so lost in the weeds, but we'll do a whole episode on that. On yeah, 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 we'll do a full recap. But anyways, OK, what's your last story? OK, so my last one is about I'm sorry to do this. Vanessa Bryant's legal battle. 
I know. But we're only at like, I think we're approaching the one year anniversary or the two year two anniversary. Two year anniversary. Lauren. Wow. I'm sorry. You I thought my like, stories were dark. I know, but it's going to get even worse because I have a lot of bullet points on this one. Okay. Um. So Vanessa Bryant's legal battle. So in, we'll start with the mom, right? Because we know that um, upon RIP Kobe's death. Yeah. Vanessa's mom like decided to go lawsuit crazy and be a greedy money grabber. Yeah. So Vanessa's mom sues Vanessa in 2020, alleging that Vanessa forced mom to leave her Irvine home and took away the car that Kobe was paying for and that Kobe had promised this uh, mother-in-law that he would take care of her forever. So she sues Vanessa saying, you know, your husband said X, Y, Z, and you didn't do it. Okay. Get so mom's looking gift horse in the mouth. They settle that website or that website. Sorry. Did I'm like, have a stroke. I just had a total stroke. They settle that lawsuit. Watch out. Watch out. We're going to get a negative review. You're I know. I know. Words again. She does it. It's not pronounced website. It's pronounced lawsuit. <laughs> So she, um, they settle that lawsuit. Well, mommy again is like, wow, now you didn't pay me for nanny bills or assistant bills. So she brings another one, another lawsuit alleging that Vanessa never paid her for being a nanny to these girls, but they have settles out of court. Well, while this lawsuit's all happening, these two lawsuits, we know that Vanessa's dealing with the death of her husband and her daughter and a bunch of her friends, you know? So in 2020, Vanessa filed a wrongful death suit against Island Express helicopters, who were the company who operated Mm -hmm. the helicopter. Um, she alleged that the pilot made a bunch of errors uh, before takeoff, including taking off in the fog. Which I think we know is, is, True. We know that's true. Yes, we do know that that's true. And that the National Transportation Safety Board released the report saying that it was true and that the pilot did it probably just like under pressure to make these bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, apparently when this whole thing was going down and Vanessa was at home, she had just taken her kid to SAT practice or ACT test practice, mm-hmm. like normal day in the life. And she gets the call that like, there's an emergency and something bad's happened. So she calls a helicopter to fly her out to LA thinking, I'll just go fly out to LA. We fly helicopters all the time. Um, but they wouldn't fly her. The helicopter company was like, no, it's too foggy. So the manager of the Lakers drove her to the Malibu police station. Okay. Okay. It took over an hour and 45 minutes to get from Newport beach to Malibu, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. This whole car ride. Vanessa has no information other than there's been an accident. Okay. Okay. So she's talking to law enforcement and she's asking questions. No one's giving her any answers. Vanessa repeatedly asks, are they okay? No one's answering. Finally, they get to the Malibu police department and uh, Vanessa alleges that they put her in a small room that was like closet size. I guess when you're coming from, so a wait, mansion. I'm sorry. Is this lawsuit against the police department? 
Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm just trying to figure out where this is going. It's just a bunch of lawsuits. Okay. Okay. So, um, she, they get to, she's in this room and it's like got a small couch and a couple of toys. Just like a normal police department. Just a normal police department. Um, Okay. And she keeps asking, are they okay? Are they okay? Still no information. So she's totally crossed county lines, got into a room. Finally, a sheriff, a pastor, and a publicist walk into the room, which sounds like a bad joke, but it's just the truth. And Vanessa was like, I don't need a publicist in here. Get the fuck out. And that's when, that's when she learned that nobody survived, that there was a helicopter crash and no one survived. So it's over two hours away. So she told the sheriff at that moment, can you go secure the crash site? Because her biggest fear is that photos would get out of like dead bodies. So the sheriff was like, absolutely. Let me go secure it. So he secures the perimeter, secures the overhead so that drones can't fly over. But of course, photos of Kobe and Gianna's bodies were taken. A couple of by a couple a couple of firefighters and sheriff's department deputies snapped photos on their phones and sent them to people who reposted them. One trainee who was in charge of crowd control for the crash site um, was caught on a bar surveillance camera showing the bartender pictures of the Kobe's body. People are so stupid. Mm -hmm. Just two days after the crash. Um, And apparently when the sheriff learned that these photos existed, um, he just told his deputies to delete them and no further discipline would happen if everyone deleted it. So the sheriff had the officers who allegedly had these photos on their phones to come down to the station, admit that they took the pictures and then delete the pictures. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Then Vanessa is like suing them for PTSD and like emotional distress because she's like all these pictures got out and all these people saw them and, you know, I'm traumatized and um, now that she didn't see it. So that's what they're saying. So they're saying, well, you didn't see it like X, Y, Z, but yeah, I don't know. But then Vanessa's attorney saying the fact that it was published and it was redistributed is the fact yeah, that it's, and that it's like she had it. already established, like, listen, this is traumatizing. And you're taking pictures of my husband's body and showing people like, no, I mean, yeah, it's a violation of their internal policies at the police department. But people that are deceased do not have an expectation of privacy. I, you know, here's the deal. I find it incredibly despicable that the sheriff was only like, delete the picture. Okay. I, okay. I just, cause I worked in that whole area and I work with police department and other agencies. They most likely have an internal investigation that's active and ongoing. Nobody can access those records. The personnel records are exempt from disclosure. Um, oh, yeah, but they're on their phone. Like no, I understand so what? That, but you I'm saying upload you, it to your computer. No, I, I understand that they took the photos and stuff. But what I'm saying uh-huh. is we aren't privy to the information. There's probably an internal investigation that's going on as a result of these officers taking these photographs. That's what I'm saying. Like we as the public aren't aware of what's going on at the police department. I guarantee they're being investigated and they're probably going to get in trouble for taking those photographs. 
No, because and the re- sheriff said, like, if they deleted it, that's it. But the sheriff do doesn't certain? deny deleting, taking or sharing the photos. Yeah, but OK, so he's not. And he never admitted they- there was a he never said there's an internal investigation. He just said, we're not pursuing it any further. They deleted the pictures. I highly doubt that. But well, either way. Um, and also about the whole her getting notified at the police department. That's not abnormal at all especially when you're in the local or you're in the vicinity of where the accident happened, they do not tell you that somebody died over the phone. That is common practice with police departments. Like you have to either the police officers have to show up at the house and tell you, or you have to wait for somebody to come to the police department because of you don't want somebody to speed down the freeway, get in a car accident. You don't want somebody to hurt themselves, hurt other people. Like you want to make sure that it's a contained and protected environment that somebody is receiving this information. Mm-hmm. So it's just like distasteful. What is the photographs? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it just gives me a pit in my stomach and I just like, what kind of freak does that? I don't know. I mean, like re- redistributing the photographs or showing people is very odd. Like at what? Why, why are you in a bar and being like, "Oh, here's Kobe Bryant's dead body." It's like, what is? Ew. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like this isn't the vibe, dude. We're having a beer. Yeah, I find it very odd, and this lawsuit I think is ongoing and. um going to be interesting to see what happens but yeah you don't have a privacy right when you're dead so that's interesting so she so she's kind of sort of being like emotional distress i could understand if those photographs were taken by the sheriff's deputies or the fire department sent to tmz or sent to some like because tmz wouldn't post that but sent no they did remember no they didn't post the dead bodies they posted um the paper you know they lay the paper over people's bodies blowing in the wind yeah that's different but I mean a picture of a dead body like him yeah well the body was under the blanket I don't know I'm just here's the deal I don't know I'm not I'm not I don't think that that's offensive we see photographs all the time of people laying on the ground with a sheet over them after they've been shot or after they've been killed that is not abnormal if we are going to be disseminating photographs of a body of Gianna, who's a minor, right. that's distasteful and it's inappropriate. And there's journalistic standards, right? Where you're yeah. not supposed to do that. It's just, but I feel like there would have to be some type of publication that then would have triggered this PTSD or so, this intentional infliction of emotional distress. There would have to be some other, I don't know. I don't know. But I also, I'm not, I'm not totally, I haven't read the, the complaint. Um, yeah. So the thing about emotional distress is like, I can't just claim that I'm distressed because somebody I know went through trauma. Like I have to have a physical manifestation of issues. Like because of the trauma, I literally developed ulcers and now I cannot keep food down. Like things like that. And that's hard to decipher when you're dealing and grieving of such a loss. Like, how do you know that her symptoms, whatever physical symptoms she's manifested as a result of Kobe and Gianna's death, Mm -hmm. how are you able to decipher which one is then attributed to this release of these photographs? You know, so it's very interesting because that's a good point. And usually because this is an emotional distress claim, like 
they were like, fine, take a psyche valve. If you're, you know, well, she said no. So instead of the psyche valve, she's, um, giving over all her therapy records. Yeah. So I guess they'll go through that and see what she talked about, and what she didn't talk about. But just so everybody is clear, whenever you're having an emotional distress claim, if you didn't physically with your own two eyes, witness the thing happening and the person cash, you would have to like kill my dog in front of me for me to have emotional distress. Yeah. Like you can't, I can't hear about it. Yes. I You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Uh and then claim that I'm upset. So the fact that, and this is terrible. I mean, it's sad. Like everyone's sad for Vanessa. Nobody wants these photos out. It's distasteful. It gives a pit. Unfortunately, there are just like things in the law that are like, you can't just make claims like that. Yeah. So really just like, uh, I know this is very different, but I'm speaking in hypotheticals. Okay. Hypothetically. I'm going to speak very generally because this is about a work issue where we had somebody who was asking for copies and videos related to, um, their son passing away. Right. Oh, and I did some research on it and really, you know, a decedent does not have a privacy interest. However, there could be this issue of like a substantive due process, right. Or violation of that. If you do not notify the, the family that this information will soon then be disclosed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing to do is like, you always notify family members, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And that's obviously in the law enforcement world, but I don't know in journalistic world, I'm assuming they probably do the same thing of like, Hey, and also like when somebody dies, like people don't mention the name before the family's notified. Right. Right. Like, so there's, I feel like there's just this like level of integrity that used to exist that maybe no longer does because people are so interested in breaking the news, breaking the news and like getting that photo Mm -hmm. that they can then sell and make millions of dollars. And yeah. Yeah, like just, everyone knows that TMZ broke that news. Like that's the reason why I unfollowed. I unfollowed them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like D- disappointing that um, from what you're saying, it sounds like at least that the sheriff hasn't investigated. I'm if that's true, that's really disappointing. I would hope that they would be investigating it because that's a violation of, I think I would assume their internal policy. Right. That's what I, that's the other thing is like, bruh. And just like basic human decency. Yeah. And if we're going to be sharing evidence, like how about we test the drugs? Okay. Let's do something fun. Well, and I mean, talk about criminal behavior. Woo! Oh, that is criminal behavior. So yeah, that's my story. It's a controversial one, but I think it led to a good discussion. Dark vibes today. You know, Mm -hmm. we can never, it should be like called the dark room, like debriefing the dark room. It should be. It should be like all the sad shit. And it's like, okay, I talk all the time about how much I hate reading the news and watching the news because it gives me anxiety. And then I'm like, let's spend over an hour talking about six (laughs) traumatic stories. That's so funny. Um, Okay. Well, that's it for me. That's it for Lauren. Now we're going to move on. Do you have a criminal behavior? Do I ever? Yes, I do. Let me get my notes. So my criminal behavior is I have, since I've moved here to Minnesota, I have yet to find a good old sandwich, you know, just the sandwich. Oh, that's... And that's hard for me. Cause like I used to live my life by 
the Ike's Chiba. Thanksgiving and Chiba yeah. Hut. Like I'm a sandwich girly. So finally, finally, finally yesterday, I find the sandwich place that actually looks similar to like an Ike's or a good sandwich, you know? Yeah. And I send it to my boyfriend. I'm like, we're ordering this for lunch. Yeah. Go. Okay. What do you want? And I said, okay, I want a turkey sandwich with everything except for sub the, cause it came with Swiss cheese. I said, sub it for provolone, you know, cause like nobody uh, wants that. We have the same sub order. Yeah. So, so excited. It takes like an hour to get there. I'm just foaming at the mouth for this Turkey provolone juicy sandwich. I just want it to drip down my chin and down my neck. I open it and it is uh, two pieces of bread, a piece of Turkey and a melted piece of provolone. (gasps) That's it. Like fry fest. It literally was fire fest. That's exactly what it was. My criminal behavior is don't you, but not even cash, not even a mustard, not even, you not not use Yelp oil. Oh, of course I use Yelp. And what do their photographs look like on all the other photographs look fucking good. That's why I picked it. Cause it's like, I've been on the hunt. So yeah, dry ass fucking sandwich. And I'm going to call it out. That's a hot belly sandwiches. Go fuck yourself. Whoa. She dropped the name. I dropped the name. Put some fucking mayo on it. Whoa. Or at least an oil and vinegar. I mean, or just like all the ingredients would be nice. Right. It's like a tomato would have been nice. Just anything, anything <laughs> other than like dry ass bread, turkey, and a piece of melted cheese. Like fuck off. <laughs> I'd rather eat at like prison. At least they get jello, you know? oh that's funny what's yours okay you guys brace yourselves so in my wedding dress shopping you know like going on websites looking looking at rehearsal dress dresses looking at um dresses to wear for like engagement photos I came across and had a revelation what? Why in the world are there two separate sections for clothes and then extended sizes? It's so fucked up. Why? Why is, first of all, I'm going to call out a website, Reformation. Reformation. Did you hear your name? So they have beautiful dresses and their sizes are zero to 12. And if okay. any, I mean, most of our listeners are women. When you wear a dress, your dress size is usually two size bigger than your pant size. Oh, I like dress, and I don't know if that's just me because I'm a big tittied woman, mm-hmm. but generally dresses run, they don't, it's not the same size. Well, let's just call it what it is. There's no such thing as a size. Everyone's just willy nilly <laughs> and throwing letters no. on it. So they, so the regular sizes are zero to 12. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing on their Instagram that they like pride themselves on being like size inclusive. I was like, where are all these other sizes at? Yeah. I had to go to a separate sidebar to hit extended sizes. Like, so why do you have to have extended sizes? Why can't you just offer sizes zero to 26? No, it's, it's why do you have to break it down? It's I don't every get it. clothing store. The one I hate why? when it's like, you're They're going closed. through that Na- nasty gal does this too. And I love nasty gal, but yes. And I saw it on nasty gal too. 
I hate when you're like looking at clothes and then you have to go to the whole other shop plus and curve. And it's like, okay, yeah, let me just bring my ass to the special side of the website where you put the big clothes. You know what I mean? And it's like, and they're all ugly. We're not the same. Even when you're walking through Target, it's like they have the regular size and then plus size. I'm like, why are we breaking them apart? Why are we talking about body shaming? That is body shaming. Why are we, why is this not all inclusive? It's not like you have some weird disease and you have to be separated from the other people. Well, and, and like the same clothes, this isn't like novel complaints. Everyone I know complains about this. So why are we still doing it? Like if everyone I know complains about this, who's fitting in the normal clothes. If all my friends don't, who wears them? And you know, who's going to spearhead this? I want to message Remy Bader, who is our queen in mm-hmm. the plus size world, who is just breaking down the barriers of people stigmatizing women yeah. that have normal bodies mm-hmm. who look like the average American. She's doing an amazing job. And I seriously want to message her and be like, why is this happening? Like, why are we segregating regular sizes, sizes. in quotes with extended sizes? Like if you're offering the same dress. Right. It's like literally, just no, literally put it in on size Reformations, order. on Reformation's website. They have it's the same dress. It's but you so, have to go to an extended size tab to open it. You know, I think it's because they just really want you to know that they do, they will cater to your fat ass. But the thing is, the sad part is it's not like our bodies were morbidly obese over here. Well, Normal right. Bodies. And like, and even Normal if it bodies. is, even if I am morbidly obese, say I am, say I'm just on a TLC show. Okay. Does that mean that I don't have the right to shop at fucking target next to Anna I mean, they're, they're prob- Yeah. I mean, there probably is like, at what point do you stop, you know, but like the fact that a size 14 dress is considered an extended size. I know that's not- ridiculous. <laughs> that's what, that's all I'm looking for. I'm looking for a size 14 dress to fit these big old tits. Yeah. Let's cancel sizes. Sizes cancel canceled anyways that's my criminal behavior you guys that's it so good anything um i just want to say everybody go follow us on patreon we have so many different levels you can be a dollar supporter a 20 dollar supporter if you want to give us more than 20 bucks i'll make you your whole tier just for you with whatever you want um also we haven't never i don't think said this but cash and i have a little another store called the morally corrupt shop (laughs) Um, go head over there. You can get tons of like, we have uh, mouse pads with like Tom's house was broken into on it. We have some Taylor Swift merch, like all kinds of stuff. So head over to the morally corrupt shop um, on Etsy and Patreon and go follow us on Instagram and give us five stars. And once you're done with all that, you can take a nap. Bye you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.